0: We are still continuing in the series, The Foundation of Truth, but I'm going to begin talking about transformation. Last week, we finished, uh, we talked about forgiveness. That was part two. And this week, I'm going to cover transformation, all right? So let me just give a little brief recap of what we talked about last week. So the main focus of this series is concerning the social unrest because of racism And how we who live in Christ, how we must live. And last week, I was talking about forgiveness. And we're in the book of Acts chapter 9. I'm not going to, I can give you the scripture references. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, and verses 10 through 17. You can read that on your own time. So Paul, or Saul at that time, uh, was a fanatical Jew who persecuted Christians. He hated them, and this different doctrine, because back then uh, Judaism was the doctrine, but now this new doctrine uh, that came through Christ, Paul was persecuting the Christians, thinking he's doing God's work, thinking this is false doctrine. And one day on his way to Damascus, on behalf of the high priest to capture Christians, arrest them, and bring them back to Jerusalem, he had an encounter with Christ, which changed his life. Saul immediately knew that Jesus was who he said he was and acknowledged it when he was blinded by the light from heaven. The Lord prepared Saul and his disciple Ananias for the encounter by giving them both vision with instructions. So Ananias and Saul had both had visions from the Lord with instructions of what each had to do. Ananias had concerns about Uh, this man, Saul, and his reputation, because rightly so, Saul was persecuting the church, persecuting Christians. But the Lord ignored Ananias' concern, because it became, it was a learning opportunity for Ananias about the Lord's character. And when we talked about last week, we saw how the Lord does not look at people's past. Even Even though Saul was persecuting the church, he was well known for his hard stand against the church. Once he had that encounter with Christ, the Lord no longer held that against him. Paul, Saul was forgiven. So that was one thing Ananias had to learn about God's character. God never looks at people's past. He always looked at people's purpose and, his, and their future. So what was important is about Ananias' concern, even though he had concerns, he obeyed God. In spite of how we felt, and that was a a lesson that we need to understand. Sometimes it doesn't matter how we feel; it's more important to obey God than go against feelings that are against what God requires you to do. Ananias saw Saul the same way the Lord saw him. He forgave Saul for his trespasses, his past, and referred to Saul as his brother. Saul, who was once an enemy, is now his brother. And this wasn't an easy thing for Ananias to accept, but he had to obey God. He had to obey Christ and accept Saul the way the Lord accepted Saul and forgave him of his transgressions, of his sins. Saul really did some terrible things, but the Lord forgave him, and Ananias likewise had to do the same. We also must forgive others and not bring up the past. Yes, I know, I know. The thoughts come, but we have control of what we want to meditate on what we want to ponder upon we have been hurt in the past we say we've forgiven people the thoughts will come the question is what do you do with the thoughts when they come you could either take them captive and remember what the word of god says that we do not hold people with sin against them we forgive as far as the word says as far as the east is from the west The Lord has removed our transgressions. He has removed our sins from us. He doesn't remember our sins anymore. Likewise, when we say we forgive people and the thoughts of the past hurts come up, what do we do? We have to take the thought captive and we have to obey God's word and let those thoughts put them to death. Let them lie. Do not bring them up. Do not entertain them. All right? Because it will open wounds, old wounds that supposedly have been healed in your heart and in your mind. And God does not want us to be subject to anything that will keep us in bondage, All right? especially things of the past, that when any hurts from the past. So we must also forgive and not bring up the past. Yes, even the racist, even the political bigot, etc., as I said, fill in the blanks. If they repent and turn to Christ, we must forgive. We must forgive because they are no longer an enemy with God. And if they are no longer an enemy with God, we have no right to hold their past against them. They are now part of the family of God. That means they are your brother or your sister. So Saul's encounter with Christ reconciled him to God and also reconciled to the same people that he, was, that he was persecuting. So no, he was no longer an enemy, but now a brother a member of the family of God so we always always have to remember that you know God doesn't God forgives and as he forgives and reconciles one of the foundational truths that i mentioned last week was in matthew 6:14 it says for if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you that's a truth foundational truth if you forgive men their sins our Heavenly Father will also forgive us of our sins. So it is critical for us to forgive others and be reconciled so that our sins will be forgiven. All right? So that's the end of the recap. So today I want to talk about transformation. The body of Christ or the church are one people, as I said before, with the same spirit, the same Holy Spirit, abiding in Christ, And to become one and to understand the love of God and walk in forgiveness requires a vulnerability by changing the way we think. To be one, to walk in the love of God, to be one with your brother, to walk in forgiveness requires us to be vulnerable. That vulnerability now opens us up for the spirit to work through us. So the first scripture I want to go to is Romans chapter, two, chapter 12, verse 1. I'd like us to turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I'm going to read that, that scripture. That's the only scripture that I'm, that's, I'm going to jump off from. And then there are other scriptures that's, that's going to follow to support it. Okay, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I'm going to start reading. And this is the Apostle Paul writing here, speaking to the saints in Rome. And the scripture goes like this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. To be able to love the racist, overcome our biases and prejudices, receive the born-again racist or bigot, to forgive etc etc, etc, requires us to become a living sacrifice. We cannot do this on our own power. We need the wisdom and the grace of God. Let me define what a sacrifice is. Now I'll give you the dictionary version and then I'll give you the version of in the context of what we are speaking about here. So a sacrifice is defined as an act of slaughtering an animal or person, or surrendering a possession as an offering to God or to a divine or supernatural figure. Let me give you an example of when we do things like that. So we talk about Lent. Lent comes around, we give up meat, we give up this, we give up that. That's a sacrifice. It's an offering that you're supposed to be making to God. All right? That's just an example to what that is. In the context of what we're, Paul is speaking here, a sacrifice is an animal that is killed and offered up as atonement for sin, and God made it understood, and I can give you a scripture reference, First Samuel 15:22 and Psalm 46, verse 6, God made it understood that obedience from the heart was more important than a sacrifice or an offering. The offering or the sacrifice was only as good as the obedience of the person who was offering it. So, in other words, you can offer up sacrifices to God. But if you are walking contrary to his word, your sacrifice is meaningless to God. You can give up X, Y, Z. Doesn't matter. If you're walking contrary to God's word, your offering is useless. God cannot receive an offering from an impure heart. So the heart must be right for the offering to be acceptable to God. So God did away with animal sacrifices when Jesus was offered up. When Jesus was put on that cross, the law was done away with. There was no longer need for any type of animal sacrifice or any type of offering. That was done away with. There was no need for that. Because God had his own lamb on the cross, Jesus Christ. So once that was done, there was no need for offering or sacrifice. But there's a, there's a reason why I'm saying this, because it says in the scripture, present your body as a living sacrifice. Now I'm going to go into what that means now. God wants us to offer up ourselves by living our lives for him. Our bodies, our energy, Our resources have to be at his disposal to accomplish his purpose through our lives. We have to offer up ourselves so that God can accomplish what he desires to accomplish in this time that we are living in through us. We are his conduit. We are his vessel where he can manifest himself to this world. So this can only be done if we trust him. You have to be able to trust to yield. You have to be able to trust to be able to offer up yourself to be used by God, but you have to be able to trust God. So this can only be done out of love for him, and this is not human love. This is a different type of love, and Jesus was the perfect example of a living sacrifice. So now I'm going to talk about Jesus, give the example of what a living sacrifice is using him, and then I'm going to tailor that to how we ought to be living. What our lives are supposed to reflect to show that we are living sacrifice. So you have the understanding of what that verse in Romans chapter 12, 1 means. The whole point of this ministry is not to just tell you some nice things to hear. I want you to understand what you're reading. And what you're reading, you must be able to take it and apply it to your daily life. So that the life of God in Christ can be revealed through you. God can manifest himself through you, through us. That is how the, the Jesus is magnified. That is how the world sees Christ. That is how we have the essence of Christ in our lives. When we yield, submit, and God can work through us by his spirit. Now, I'd like you to turn to John chapter 4, verse 34. And the scripture reading goes like this. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, my food... It's to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now let's go to John chapter 6, verse 38 through 40. And this is Jesus speaking again. He says here, verse 38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me. That of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. Verse 40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. So I'm going to put 34 from John chapter 4 and verse 38 through 40. through chapter 6 together because they are all related Jesus is saying my nourishment or my food what sustains me is to do the Father's will and to complete it it's very important that we understand what the Father's will is for our lives what does Jesus want to accomplish through us these are the things we need to be pondering about these are the things we need to be meditating thinking about reading the word of God, so we can get an understanding of what it is that the Lord wants to accomplish, what his will is for our lives. Or in other words, what he wants to accomplish through us. And once you understand that, it's to complete it. So Jesus said, I came from from heaven to do the will of the person who sent me, which is who? The Father. What the Father desires to accomplish through me I am here to make sure it's done. Glory to God. What the Father has sent me to accomplish, I am here to make sure it is accomplished. It is done. And that should be our heart's cry. Why are we here? What is our purpose, Lord? And I believe I know what my purpose is. My purpose, since I know what it is, I am about making sure I do what I'm supposed to do and finish it until the Lord is ready to call, take me home. Because I am accountable for what I know. And what we don't know, you have to take the time, you know, we're busy, we're busy, we're busy. But you have to take the time to find out what the Lord desires to accomplish through you. And I hope as I go through this message, you will get an idea of what that is. So Jesus was not confused about the Father's will for his, for his life. He wasn't confused. He knew why he was here. He knew it. He stated that what that was. And I'm going to tell you the scripture to go to. It says in the script, in the verses we read, he will resurrect or raise up all who are his at the last day. And these will be the ones who believe in him. So, we're talking about the physical resurrection of the dead and the transformation of those who are alive. That is what he's saying. That's a promise. That's what he's saying he will do because that's the will of the Father. That we, for us to have eternal life and for these physical bodies to be transformed into a spiritual one. That's the will of God. Nothing can change that. And Jesus has the authority to raise. Everything and everyone that the Father who has given him, those who believe in him, he has the power by the Spirit to raise them from the dead and transform them to take that physical body, those who are alive, and transform it into a spiritual one. And those who die, to give them a spiritual body. He has the power to do that. He has the authority from the Father to do it. Why? Because that's the will of the Father. Glory to God. So for this to be accomplished, the Father requires, required him to lay down his life. For him to be able to raise people up, as he, I read in the scripture there, he had to lay down his life. That was the will of the Father, that he would lay down his life. So, you know, you might think, why did Jesus have to die? Why this? That was the Father's will. He had to die to bring to pass the things that he is speaking here that will, that will transpire in the future. He had to go to the cross. And his death was the will of the Father. But before Jesus put it went to the cross, he stated his mission and his purpose. And I'm going to read it to you. That was in Luke chapter eight, four, verse eighteen. And it was also prophesied by the prophet. And it was written in the Old Testament. And Jesus, when he was in the synagogue, He got up and he read the verse where it spoke about him. And he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears, in your hearing. Because the one who the scripture referred to was here. And he announced his mission and his purpose. And he read it like this. And this is the word that says in Luke 4.18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That was his mission. That was his purpose. And he stated it, confirming what was already spoken about him and prophesied about him. He said, I'm here. And this is the reason why I'm here. And everything he did going forward was to fulfill the Father's will for his life. He was a living sacrifice. Everything Jesus did was in line with the Father's will, his mission and his purpose. He allowed the Father to express himself through him. And that's what we have to understand. We do not belong to ourselves anymore. Once you are in Christ, once you give your life to Jesus, you are not your own. You can do your own thing. You can live your own life, but there's a consequence to it. And there's a, an accountability to it. You Jesus, he gave his life, shed his blood to redeem you. So you don't belong to yourself. You didn't pay the price for your own sin. He did it. So you, the Bible says we have been bought, purchased with a price. What? The precious blood of Christ. So we don't belong to ourselves anymore. We're not, we don't have the, the authority to do our own thing, even though many of us do our own thing. But there are consequences to that. All right? So in First John 5, 19, Jesus said, the son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the father do, for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. He said, whatever I see the father do, that's what I do in like manner. And whatever he says to me, that's what I say. So whatever I say and I do is just because it's not me. It's the father in me who is saying these things and doing these things. So who is accountable for what is said and done? Not Jesus, the father, because he's just doing what the father tells him to do and, and showing him to do. So the, 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 the one who is responsible for the outcome is, God, is the father, not him. And that's our life also. If we are walking in the light in obedience to Christ, we are not responsible for the outcome. Because it's not us. It's the spirit in us that's through Christ that's working through us. That's why the word of God says the word, the word of God will never return void. Why? Because it's not you. It's the word that's been spoken through you. Bringing about the will of Christ in your life for what he wants to express through you. So Christ is responsible for the outcome. We are not responsible for it. We just have to have the courage to do what we need to do and leave the consequences to God. Glory to God. I hope you get in this. Jesus offered up himself so that the Father can express himself through him. That's a living sacrifice. A sacrifice, as I said, is something that's offered up to God. A living sacrifice is a person who offer up their life to God to be used by him. And that's what Jesus did. He offered up himself. I only do what the Father shows me to do. And I only say what he tells me to say. So it's not my will. I'm doing the Father's will. I'm saying what he wants me to say. I'm doing what he wants me to do. Likewise, in Christ, we say... What the word of God tells us to say. What the spirit gives us an unction to say. So when we forgive the racist. It's not us. We may not want to do it. But we are walking in the light. In obedience to the word of God. So we are doing what is required of us. We are being a living sacrifice. Why? Because in the natural we don't want to do it. But we choose to obey God. And do it his way. So God is responsible for the outcome of his own word as we trust him and walk by faith and walk in the light and do what he's required of us. A living sacrifice is one who surrenders his or her life to Christ so that by the spirit the Lord can express himself or his will through the life of that person. You know in the Bible study we talk about how beautiful are the feet of them who bring the good news. We are carriers of good news. We are carriers of the light of God. And when we share that by faith to people, we are an essence of Christ. We are a living sacrifice. Why? Because we are doing, we are doing and allowing our life to be used by God to glorify himself. To change people's hearts and lives. Fulfilling the mission what Jesus said. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And it says what is mission and purpose. We are in Christ and we have that same mission and purpose. Because we are in Christ. To set people free. But the power is not us. It's the spirit working through us to accomplish what God desires to accomplish through us. We have to get it in our mind to get out of the way. Oh, I don't like how I look. I don't like how I talk. What do people think? It's not about you. The Spirit of God is powerful enough to use an imperfect vessel like this to do what he needs to accomplish. As you say, it's really not about us. It's about how willing we are are to yield to God. How willing we are to yield to Christ. To yield to the Spirit of God so that he can work through us to accomplish what he desires to accomplish. As we willingly, and here is the word, willingly yield. Willingly, Willingly yield means you choose to obey. As we willingly yield to the will of God by the Spirit, the outcome or the fruit of our lives is a revelation of Christ. Because the fruit of our lives is not us. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is because we are tapped into Christ. The Bible says, Jesus is what? The vine or we are the branches. And he said, if we abide in him and his words abide in us, ask what we will and it shall be done. When we pray and we ask and things happen, it's a manifestation of our life in Christ. Amen. So when people say you're lucky, it's not lucky, you're blessed. Because the Lord is working through you. When you talk to people and there's a change in their heart, it's not you. It's the Lord working through you. It's manifesting the glory and the power of God that's working through you. This conduit on the earth that choose to yield to him so that he can work through us to touch people. And change people's lives. That's even the racists. Because the Lord is responsible for the outcome. Because he gets the glory. Because we realize it's his power working through us and not of our own power and strength. So as I said, for us to become or to overcome racism, bias and prejudice, for us to overcome these things. To be able to love the racist. Receive the born again racist or bigot. Yes. Those who used to hate you. Those who, who's, black people who hate whites, white who hate blacks, they give their life to Christ. They're no longer your enemy, nor your brother. But I used to know when he or this person hated blacks or hated whites or used to talk about me, this person is now when Christ is no longer your enemy. That person is now your brother or your sister. Now you now have to receive that person as your family, as your brother or sisters in Christ, leaving their past behind and forgiving their sin. Ah, For you to be able to overcome that and love that person, it requires us to become a living sacrifice, yielding or surrendering our lives to Christ, which is acceptable to God, and a rational service. That's what it said. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable or rational service. So, yielding or surrendering our lives to Christ is acceptable to God. It's an acceptable sacrifice. And it says here, it's our rational service. It's not too much to ask if you're willing to yield because that's the only way you, you are going to be conforming to the image of Christ. We therefore must have the courage now to yield. And that's, that's not easy. To want, you want to do your own thing. You want to cuss out the neighbor or cuss out this one or, or whatever. Whole hatred in your heart. And the word of God is saying and the spirit will say to you, you need to let that go. You need to forgive. You need to love that person. You need to go and ask that person for forgiveness. Or you need to go and beg forgiveness from this person. Or you need to forgive that person. And your mind is saying, I don't want to do it. But you say, Lord, I know I don't want to do it. But I am going to do what you require of me. I'm going to yield and I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. Or I'm going to forgive. That's being a living sacrifice. That's walking in the light. Because you you choose to do things God's way and not your own. Because that's what Jesus did. He did things God's way. Not his own way. He said, I didn't come to do my will. I came to do the will of him who sent me. And to finish his work. That's why we're here. To do the will of Christ. And to finish what we what, the assignment that we have. So Paul, in that verse, urges or begs the saints to have the heart. To have this heart. Yield to God. Yield to the will of God. Offer up our lives to do what the Lord requires so that his will will be done on earth. When I say his, not Paul's, so that the Lord's will will be done on earth. You know, we pray this prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For His will to be done on earth, we have to be a living sacrifice. His will is only done through people. So when you pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that's what it's saying. We have to be willing, sacrifice, yield it to, yield it to God so that He can work through us to accomplish His will on earth. So, so for the Lord's will to be done on earth, we have to be willing to yield and offer up our lives. And we cannot do this. In our own power. And the beauty about it is. God has already given us. His spirit to accomplish it. And he has given us his word. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. But be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove. What is that good and acceptable. And perfect will of God. I'll talk about that next week. Alright. So I'm going to stop there right now. And I hope you receive something today please meditate on this word go back read it over take your time read it ask the lord to show you ask the lord to make it plain to you and he will do it all right so i really hope you receive something today in jesus name